We are standing on God's promises. Amen. Amen. And I want to thank Steve uh, for filling in for me today in that way and doing the pastoral prayer, the welcome. And also I want to share a few other things just real quick, then we'll get to the sermon. We're going to be going to Romans 5 in a minute. Children are dismissed to junior church, so if you haven't already gone, you may head out to junior church. Uh, Miss Karen Coy took my Sunday school class today, and I'm grateful for her uh, filling in in that way. Uh, I'm in my... In two hours or so, maybe three, I begin my 13th day post-COVID exposure with no symptoms and no temperature. I've taken my temperature. I've had one negative test, as Steve said, so I'm pretty confident. Um, the health department told me that usually symptoms begin between day six and day 10. Here I am wrapping up day 12. So the, all this is precautionary, of course, because you're supposed to... Uh, Quarantine, self-quarantine for two weeks following an exposure. So I thought originally I got the negative test, so I was good to go. But then I found out, no, I wasn't. Still got to stay inside. But I am essential personnel for the sermon, So, uh, though I'm sure that Steve could have filled in quite well. So I want to thank him, and I also want to give one other quick thank you. Um, last week you recognized me for Pastor Appreciation Month, and I'm very grateful. But I also want to recognize uh, Pastor Carl, Pastor Carl Finks, and uh, as our children's pastor serves in a pastoral role, and Kevin and Wendy Coy share in a pastoral role as a uh, youth pastor. So can we give a round of applause for them right now? And when you see them again, please give them a hand. Tell them thank you. I don't. I, Carl might be with Junior Church right now, and I don't see Kevin and Wendy right now. But just give them an extra special thanks because uh, they also serve in a pastoral role at Bethel Friends, and they serve faithfully, not only doing the children and youth ministry, but helping out at many other events and many other things as well, and giving much wisdom and knowledge to our elders. Uh, you know, one thing about the election, and then we'll move to the sermon. You know, there's a passage in Joshua chapter 5. They're about to go to battle with Jericho. And Joshua, it says, when Joshua is by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the Lord. You know, sometimes we question, you know, is God, is God a Republican? Is God a Democrat? God is far superior than any of that, far greater, far more mighty than any of that. And neither Republican Party, neither Republican, neither party really matches up with all God's ways. We just need to follow God's way. And we need to remember that we'll be right as long as we follow the word of God. So, um, you might have heard Abraham Lincoln's quote. My concern, he said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. And that's what Abraham Lincoln said. So I thought about that, and we can get up Wednesday morning just like any other morning and know that God is in control, and he's on his throne uh, until whenever you know he comes again, and he'll still be on his throne. I was going to say, he's on his throne even as we await, as we await election results, which we, we may not know Wednesday morning. So we're going to be going to Romans chapter 5 here in a moment. Let's see, did I get all my little announcements out of the way? And I did. You know, I wonder, do we realize that we need rescued? We need rescued. We need redeemed. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about a biblical worldview. And let me say right now, I shortened my sermon with a goal of being 15 minutes today, which don't, don't watch your watches because that's really hard. You know, it's like the joke, what's it mean if a pastor takes off his watch? Or looks as watch, absolutely nothing. So, but I did want to keep it shorter because of the concern of COVID exposure. But 
So I shortened the sermon, but if you get the, the sermon copies that are in the back, if you pick those up, they're going to have a few more illustrations and more detail. If you go to my blog later, um, which, is re, which is linked on our website, you'll see a little more detail. So, you know, a biblical worldview teaches that everything was created good. We saw that in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Remember, we talked about that for a few weeks. God created, and God created everything good. And because God is the creator and created everything good, we have purpose. We have purpose because God created you know, if you follow naturalism and these other worldviews and humanism and these views that believe that we just happened here, we just, we just showed up by chance, you know, all that type of stuff, it gives us no purpose. We have purpose. God created, he created us good, and he gave us purpose. That's the first part of a biblical worldview. Creation, everything was created good. But sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3. And we are still in a fallen world. We are in a fallen world. God created it good. But when sin entered the world, it tarnished the world. Sin has impacted every part of the world. And every part of the world's systems are impacted by sin. Everything in the world is depraved. We talked about that for a couple weeks, didn't we? We ended that last week. Sin has affected. The fallenness of the world has affected the media, the schools, the government. Ever notice that? <laughs> and each and every one of us as well. Sin has impacted every part of the world and all of the world systems. And that's why in the first sermon of this series, and I'm going to be wrapping up this series in two weeks, but in the first sermon of this series, I urged you to test everything. Live out 1 Thessalonians 5, 17-22 that says to test everything because everything is giving you a worldview. We all have a worldview. A worldview is just how you view the world. Where do you get your values from? Do we get our values of right and wrong from the Bible? Or do we get them from the Today Show? Or Fox and Friends? Or pick your, your analyst, you know, or Sports Center, or, you know, or PBS? Or where do you get your values from? Or do you get it from the schools? And, and we need education. The schools are great. And we have many great teachers in the schools. But we must test everything by the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, because the world is fallen. Now, we see in what we're going to talk about today is we are redeemed. We are redeemed. In Jesus, we can be redeemed, and most of you probably are redeemed. You've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. You are, we are redeemed. However, creation is not restored yet. Someday, in Revelation 21 and 22, we're going to see all of creation is restored. God is going to make all things new, all things right. There will be no more pain and suffering and, you know, and crying and sickness and illness. No more of that. And next week, we're going to talk about that. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about Revelation 21, and we're going to look at heaven. And it's going to be a glorious sermon, looking to the future, looking for, uh, forward to restoration. We are redeemed right now, but we're not there yet. It's the already but not yet. So today my theme is humanity is yearning for salvation. And it can only be found in Jesus. Humanity is yearning for salvation. But it can only be found in Jesus. I'm going to read Romans chapter 5 verse 8. So if you want to turn there if you're not there yet. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Last week we looked at Romans 1. And Romans 1 shows the potential extent of our depravity. You know sin has affected all of the world. And eventually when we... When we are truly living in sin, trying to pursue sin, trying to excuse sin, trying to enjoy sin, God says, okay, have it your way. 
Sin has impacted the whole world, though, so that even when we're living for Jesus and even when we're redeemed, we still live in a fallen world. That's why we're dealing with things like COVID-19, because the world has fallen. There's still sickness and illness and stuff. That's why we see hate and violence and all these other things, because the world has fallen. When you wonder what is wrong with the world, go back to Genesis 3. But God is not content to leave it that way. You can also look at Revelation 21 and 22. God's going to make all things new. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Romans 5 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates his own love towards us that while we were yet sinners, while we are in sin, Christ died died for us. He took the initiative. By the way, G.K. Chesterton was always and is always funny uh, to read. He was a Christian philosopher and literature writer around 100 years ago, a contemporary, a little bit of C.S. Lewis, and um, one of the London publications. He was, he was British, which makes him all the better sometimes in their punniness. But anyways, in one of the London publications said, what is wrong with the world? And he wrote a letter and put a little picture in an edit, in a, in a op-ed or something like that. And he said, what is wrong with the world? Dear sirs, I am. And his point is that we are all fallen. We're redeemed, but we're not year, there yet. We're still dealing with the consequences of sin. So God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we try redemption a wrong uh, with the wrong methods. We try redemption through the wrong methods. We need redemption, but we try it the wrong way. We need redemption, and I'm going to come back to that verse I just read here in a minute. But first, let's talk about how we are not redeemed, how we are not redeemed. We've tried redemption through many of the wrong methods. Most religions are based on works. It's not going to work, no pun intended. The problem with works righteousness is that we can never be good enough. One sin separates us from God. One sin separates us from God. Romans 3.23 and 6.23 show that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, God's standard is perfection and holiness and righteousness. So I have a perfectly good bottle of water right here. And it's even, it's even still sealed. If I gave it to you... And you were really thirsty, you would know the seal has not been broken. It's a perfectly good bottle of water. But what if I dropped one little drop of cyanide in it? Anybody want to drink it? Probably not. It's good water, but one drop of cyanide ruins the water. And that's the same thing with us. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. One sin ruins a good life because God's standard is perfection. You know, the other illustration, if I dropped a drop of antifreeze in here, or what if I dropped a drop of COVID-19 in here, which I, what? What if I drink out of it, knowing that I'm under, anyways, I did test negative, anyways. <laughs> we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Works righteousness won't get you there. If we think we could earn our salvation, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. In fact, I've been going through a, um, an, a, a book on a, a type of theology that goes back about 500, 600 years, and they were talking about um, different ways that we look at the um, what's called penal substitution. Jesus is substitutionary death on the cross for us, penal substitution. And many people over the last 100 years, many more progressive theologians, more liberal theologians, have said it's just moral. It's just a moral example. Jesus just gave a moral example. But a moral example won't work. We needed an atonement, a death. We needed blood shed for our sin. And that's why Jesus went to the cross for us. 
Um, materialism cannot save us. So good works won't save us. Works righteousness won't work. Materialism cannot save us. Materials cannot save us. Chuck Colson writes about this in his book, How Now Shall We Live? And he goes in great depth talking about how all the marketing strategies. And actually, if you study the history of marketing, study the history of commercials, they go back to the late 19th century evangelist. The late 19th century evangelist. They would go around with their, it was called the Second Great Awakening, the Holiness Movement. And they would go around and say, you need Jesus, you need salvation. And that is correct. And they made such a good case that those who were trying to market Kellogg's cereal or whatever took the same methods and applied it to cereal. And later on, cars. And later on, you, you know it, name it. Any type of material type of thing. In fact, if you get the, there's a PBS documentary called Affluenza. Affluenza with an A instead of influenza. It gets into that. And if you go home and watch the commercials, you would think that these type of things are going to bring salvation, what they're advertising, right? You know, if you just get that car, you're going to be saved. You're going to be, everything's going to be right in the world. And you'll get all the other things they have alongside that car too. You know, that's how they make it seem. But materialism will not save us. Politics won't save us either. You realize that? If you look at the political commercials, political advertisements, they make it sound like this political leader is going to bring salvation. But it won't work because we need divine intervention. It just won't work. And actually, it's, I have to say, I have some of this in the actual expanded notes for the sermon that this especially happens in, in all politics they can make it sound like they're the savior but it, this especially happens in the more Marxist type of ideologies and actually if you study the history of Marxist ideology it even they really did think they denied that there was a creator they denied that there was a sin problem and they really thought they could bring salvation through some type of great society. It doesn't work. Humans are fallen. We cannot fix ourselves. We need divine intervention. We cannot create a utopia. Guess what? It is not working, and it has not worked, and it still does not deal with life after death. Even if we could, you know, get a good society here and take care of what we think everybody needs for the great life now, it still does not take care of life after death. It still does not take care of the sin problem. I was looking at the news a few days ago. It was kind of on in the background, and I saw something where Cher, remember like Sonny and Cher, that Cher, she was on doing something, and I don't know how she, old she is, but I do know that a lot of those people in Hollywood just want to keep erasing aging. <laughs> so they keep trying to do things so they don't look their age, and it just hit me right then and there. Ever since the beginning, ever since Genesis 1-1, We've had, to, we've had the problem of aging. And what happens with the problem of aging is more vulnerabilities. We're more vulnerable to sin, not just sin, the consequences of sin. Sickness, illness, cancer, diabetes, you name it. And eventually, we all die. Ten out of ten people. You can challenge, check, have the fact checkers check that later on. They're, they're on CNN and Fox and CBS and NBC. Ten out of ten people will die. There's been two people in human history who have not died. But everybody else will die. And we need salvation. We need divine intervention. From the humanist worldview, this is all there is. And that is why they focus so much on a utopia in this world. That still, though, does not address a sin problem. We need redeemed. There's no salvation in knowledge. Sometimes we think if we learn enough, that will bring us salvation, but it won't. 
There's no salvation in pleasure. There's a type of view called hedonism. It won't work. Hedonism will not bring salvation. Hedonism means the purpose of life is simply pleasure. There's no salvation in nihilism. Nihilism, nihilism. Nihilism rejects all moral and religious principles and teaches that life is meaningless. In a way, by the way, nihilism could be the logical path of naturalism. If we believe this world is all that there is and all that there ever will be, just pursue pleasure. There's no purpose. Hedonism, nihilism, but it doesn't bring salvation. It doesn't bring divine intervention. We have a sin problem. We need divine help. So how are we, how are we redeemed? We need reconciled to God. So now we're going to come back to Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to walk you through that a little bit, just, just very briefly. Simply put, we need reconciled to God. And simply put, to reconcile means to restore friendship or harmony. In Genesis, Adam walked with God in the Garden of Eden as friends. But then sin came, and this separates us from God. Ever since Genesis 3, humanity has been separated from God. We need reconciled with God. The problem is on our end, not on God's end. We violated God's standard. We have committed high treason against God. Have you ever had a time when you had a dispute with someone? We all have, right? And if we were the one in the wrong, we need to apologize, ask forgiveness, try to bring reconciliation. God has a problem with us, and we are the problem, and it's sin, because God's standard is complete holiness. He has a rightful dispute with us. We have offended him. In a biblical sense, we have offended God's holy law. If you look up later on, R.C. Sproul, he's a theologian that died a few years ago. R.C. Sproul, what's wrong with you people? You could look it up on YouTube. They even made little coffee mugs that, that, that say that. Because he was at a pastor's conference, and he's with a panel of speakers up front, and somebody asked a question that was very human-focused, very focused on us, not on God. And he said, and, and he, in a very good way, he broke it down. He said, look, God shaped us out of the clay, out of the dirt, Genesis chapters 1 and 2. He created us out of the earth. He creates, a, he creates us in his image. God breathes the breath of life into Adam and then Eve. God created a whole earth, the whole Garden of Eden for them. And we in Adam, we in Adam and Eve, committed high treason against God. We violated his law. And we still try to judge God all the time, don't we? We still try to look at things in the Bible and think, oh, I can't believe that, or that's not fair, or, that's not right. And what's wrong with us? <laughs> Truly, what makes us think we can judge God? Why can't we just submit to him and realize he is the creator? We are not. I think I quoted somebody last week saying, the difference between God and us is God never thinks he is us. There was somebody else who had this quote. It was J. Vernon McGee, and Randy Heckard had shared it, and I might slaughter it, but it was something like, God owns the universe. As long as he owns the universe, he can, he can set the standards. If we ever could own our own universe, then we could set the standards too, but right now it's his universe, and it really is. And Colossians chapter 1 says it's more than his universe. <laughs> it's, it's everything that you see and can't see, every dimension, everything belongs to God. And guess what? We will never own a universe anyways. We have violated God's standard. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. We were helpless. We were ungodly. We were sinners. And God took action because God loves us. We broke his law. We committed high treason against God. He loves us. He cares about us. 
and he took action to save us. That's amazing. We were ungodly when Jesus died for us. Verse 8, Romans 5, 8 says that we were still sinners when Christ died for us. If you look at verse 9, it says, because of this, we are enemies of God. Because of our sin problem, we are even enemies of God. It says we are ungodly, we are sinners, we are enemies, but God loves us. So he took action to save us. He took action to redeem us. We needed reconciliation. We needed friendship restored between us and God. We had offended him. We still offend him. We had, we had, and we still do cross his perfect law. But he took action because he loves us and cares about us. I want to review Romans real quick. In Romans chapter 1, Paul spent most of the chapter writing about our ungodliness. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, I read this last week. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And you may say that's not you, but it is. It's all of us. Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have sinned and missed God's perfect standard. We all sin. You know what? It's amazing that for most of human history, I dare say all of human history, people have tried to restore fellowship between them and God or the gods. I mean, even if you study ancient pagan religions, you can study ancient pagan religions, and they've all known they had a sin problem, and they all made sacrifices to try to restore fellowship. They even sacrificed their own children. You can study ancient Egyptian religions. I have. You can study ancient Near Eastern religions. I have. Ancient religions in the Middle East. You know that the Israelite people even got corrupted by the false religions of the Middle East. They even sacrificed. The Israelite people even sacrificed their own children to the false gods, to the demons, really, because they knew they had a sin problem. But it didn't work. It won't work. Of course, in our Old Testament, we're told never to sacrifice children, never to sacrifice people, never to do anything like that. But they did make these sacrifices to try to atone for, to try to cover their sins. There's a movie, Kicking and Screaming. It's a really funny movie. Uh, it's got Will Ferrell. It's even got Mike Dicka, the coach, if you think of him, he's in it. And uh, Mike Dicka is Will Ferrell's neighbor. No, Will Ferrell's dad's neighbor in that movie. And Will Ferrell is helping coach his son's soccer team. And Will Ferrell's dad is really competitive, and his dad is coaching another team. And Will Ferrell's team, he really wants his team, his, it's a kid's soccer team, like third grade. He really wants them to beat his dad's team. So he recruits Mike Ditka to help. Now, Mike Ditka is his dad's neighbor, and Mike Ditka and his dad don't get along. So, of course, Mike Ditka wants to help beat his, his, uh, his dad's team. And they start winning, but they realize their secret to victories is the Italian kids. The Italian kids know how to play soccer. But the Italian kids have an uncle who's a butcher. And the uncle always says, the uncle always says meat comes first. Meat comes first. Well, so one particular day, the Italian kids couldn't play soccer. They had too much meat to cut. So the whole team thought, this is a great dilemma. So they all go and help the Italian kids cut the meat so they could get to the game in time. They all help in the butcher shop. They all help cut the meat, and they get to the game just in time. But they have blood from the animals all over their uniforms. They're just covered in blood from butchering the meat. The other team forfeits right away. <laughs> they see this team get off the truck, and they, they, they just run away. Do you realize that's what it would have been like in the Old Testament? 
In the Old Testament, when they made these animal sacrifices, bulls and goats and sheep, there would have been lots of blood because it, ta- it takes something to cover our sins. And we realize, by the way, that the blood, the blood of bulls and goats really didn't even cover the sin. It was symbolic. It was pointing to a Messiah. It was pointing to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. They didn't. They were symbolic, pointing to Jesus. In the Old Testament, our sins were credited, or their sins were credited to Jesus' death on the cross. Today, our sins are debited to Jesus' death on the cross. In Christianity, we had violated God's way, and guess what? Jesus came to us. He came to us. We couldn't do this on our own, so he came to save us. We can be redeemed. We can be redeemed by Jesus and only by Jesus. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We were created good, Genesis 1 through 2. Creation fell through sin, Genesis chapter 3. Jesus has redeemed us. And eventually, Jesus will restore all of creation. A man was driving an old Ford. He was driving an old Ford on a lonely road when it chugged to a stop. He was at a loss about what to do since he didn't know much about cars. But he got out, put up the hood, and he began to tap here and there. He jiggled this wire and that wire, and eventually another driver came by. And um, this driver stepped out, walked up, and said, what's the trouble? Oh, he said, I can't get this old Ford to go. Well, replied the good Samaritan, let me see. So he began to tinker inside and asked, do you have a screwdriver? He adjusted something, then got inside, and it started right up. The man said, say, thanks a lot. Uh, That's great. Who are you? What's your name? And the man said, I'm Henry Ford. I had to know something about this car I built. Our creator has saved us, and there is salvation only in Jesus. We are redeemed. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for our redemption in you. Lord God, I pray that you help us following you. Help us being culture warriors, testing everything to make sure it lines up with a biblical worldview and making sure, Lord God, that we do cling to a biblical worldview. Lord God, if there's anyone here who hasn't trusted you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. May today be the day when they confess they are a sinner in need of a Savior, believing in you as the one and only Savior, trusting in you and committing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to exit out this door. I apologize for not being able to greet you today. My love to all of you, though.